podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine Sunday morning, the Sunday morning of the Dutch Grand Prix, and welcome to Gabby's Corner. This is the segment where we talk all things qualifying Dutch Grand Prix, what to look for in the race, and I am joined by my man, and your man also, Mr. James Baldwin. Good morning, mate. How are you? Good morning, mate. What an introduction. Congratulations on getting through that. Uh, love it. Good to be here inside your corner. Not too bad for a uh, second go. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> on the spot. On the spot. <laughs> Outstanding, mate. No, it's good to be here. We're at the Dutch Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, absolutely dominant, no surprises whatsoever. Mate, that guy just just delivers in and out every weekend, doesn't he? I mean, the car didn't look too great in in FP3 yesterday afternoon. His Q3 quality runs were – sorry, his quality runs in B3. You know, they were five and a half, six tenths off the pace where they need to be, and, mate, this guy just pulls – Pulls it out of the bag when he needs to. And, uh, I mean, you look at Perez, he made a mistake in Q3, which is going to set him back too. But, uh, mm. Did he make a mistake he... though or did he did he crash gate to stop anyone else getting on? This is the kind of podcast I feel that we can absolutely explore these conspiracy theories inside Campy's Corner. Campy. Every, every, every driver's done it. You look at Lando's done it. At uh, where did Lando do it? Can't remember. Uh, Charles did it at Monaco. Um, Max did it at Monaco a couple of years ago. I mean, they've all crashed when they're driving on the limit. You, you we understand that. I just think there should be a penalty for crashing and qualifying. You should just mm. automatically go to the back of the grid if you've got to stop the session. And a flag comes out because you beached it and you can't move, or a red flag, which we just do at the drop of a hat these days. Uh, if you've got to do that. Back of the grid straight away for during qualifying. I don't care about your times and where they're representative of. Straight to the back of the grid. I think that's a rule we should bring in for next year. But uh, anyway, how good's this track, Jim? It's it's a very short track, isn't it? I was just thinking to myself, you know, there was there was hardly a margin between twenty cars at one point. I think there was a second covering all twenty of them, and for for a lot of the time. No, we talk about a couple of tents between teammates, don't we, that uh, it's very important that teammates stay very close to each other. But the fact that the pack was so condensed in Q1 was phenomenal to me. Now, these cars look even better, I think, going around this circuit than the previous generation of cars do. The compression of these yeah. cars, especially the Mercedes, um, I think Lando commented in Q3 that, no, he, he actually bottomed out on one of the corners because of the compression uh, and the way that these cars are being sucked to the ground. So I think this is going to be a better example of racing than we saw last year. Of course, McLaren had an absolutely woeful time last year, didn't they? Uh, and everyone was sort of pointing towards them before qualifying to say that they would be incredibly quick. Well, that wasn't necessarily the case for at least Daniel Ricciardo, uh, but for Lando Norris was able to extract a little bit more pace from the car. But as a whole... The track is awesome. My only concern, Campy, is by lap nine, Max is going to be 
lapping cars and we're going to get into a DRS train fest and a blue flag fest and it's going to be very boring. Well, we could be right. I mean, has anyone got the race pace to match Max? I don't think so, but that Hamilton in that Mercedes has been looking good. Other than last one, I mean, last, they were on a roll. If you look at the last five races, he had five podiums in a row and he was hunting. He was, the only, he was hunting. He's the only person to score less points than Max Verstappen over, I think, a six-race period. And, and, yeah. Uh, anyway, look, I think uh, I, it, would be in, it would be interesting to see where that Mercedes gets to by the end of the race, you know, last 30 laps, see what they can Indeed. do. Then they'll put some real pressure on uh, the Ferraris. And we will be talking tomorrow afternoon about – Ferrari's done it again. They've shit the bed with strategy and it's all over. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that is, oh, look, gonna happen. You, you bring up a very real point when uh, there's such a discrepancy in speed. But then again, mm. I mean, we're, we're not seeing the differences in the time differences that we were seeing last weekend either, you know, 1.8 Between seconds Daniel, between. you mean? Across the top of the grid. I mean, Danny yeah. Rick last night. All right, let's talk about him. Yeah, Jeez. go on. I, I, was at a, I was at a wedding last night, and everybody at that wedding that I knew wanted to talk F1 with me. I had the same conversation about 400 times. <laughs> you know what? It's a, it's, a, it's a privilege to have that conversation 400 times that people want to talk F1 about me with, it, with me because they know I love it. Anyway, we were watching it just before, and I thought, geez, he's on here. He's on here. No, and then we found out later on. I found out this morning when I was watching some YouTube videos that uh, someone went off in front of him and put some dust on the track, which means he missed the braking line, uh, the braking corner, and uh, and there was a whole lot of dust on the track too, which he lost a bit of grip. Now, on a track like this, where there was only six and a half tenths difference between Max Verstappen's time and his time, that three or four tenths that he lost in that corner which a friend texted me this morning. I haven't been able to verify that. Apparently, Danny Rick was on some kind of lap. He was on the same kind of lap as Lando. Uh, he was about a tenth up after sector two, but lost all that time because of because of someone going off on the track. I haven't been able to verify that because I haven't seen the uh, – but that's that's the difference on a track like this that's so small, right? It is. High speeds, yep. when these things happen. For Danny Rick, it's just frustrating, and if that's what happened, then – Unlucky for him, but it's not it's not what he needed when he needed it. But no, and it's not indicative of his pace. And I think this is the thing that I got really sad. I'm not gonna lie, I got really sad last night um, and, and all day yesterday. To be honest, uh, one one of the things that maybe if Daniel Ricciardo retires finally, uh, you know, th- this coming season, then uh, maybe I'm able to talk about Formula One without without being emotionally attached to one of the drivers. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, as my wife commented, geez, uh, have you told Daniel that uh, your mood is very dependent on how he's performing? (laughs) Our our listeners know that too. Yeah, it's been a tough slog for them this year, especially if you're a um, insert Western Bulldogs or uh, Collingwood supporter from from last night or whoever else played. I don't know. Anyway, one of those teams didn't win. 
Um, Essendon and Daniel Rick supporters, though, I think my heart specifically goes out to you as a football team. Um, but I think it's an interesting, interesting seat. Let, let's talk a little bit, Campy, about, if we can, not to hijack your podcast, but talk about Oscar oh. Piastri, this, the CRB, the Contract Recognition Board, and then the effect that that's had on, you know, why this weekend Daniel really needed to put in a decent qualifying to sort of shush the naysayers, so to speak, although it's very difficult to do if someone's made a mistake on track or uh, if the car yep. is not just turning on those tyres. But uh, let's talk about this recognition board and Oscar Piastri. I mean, he's now confirmed that he's a McLaren driver for 2023. Uh, and I'm really – my sadness has continued for Oscar because I was so – I cannot tell you how excited I was to have Oscar Piastri in Formula One before yep. this – before this whole thing started. Now, this has nothing to do with Oscar. Let's be very clear. Oscar Piastri did not kick out Daniel Ricciardo. So he's done absolutely nothing wrong in this situation. Uh, He put a little, uh, he didn't put a little anything together. He had an interview with Lawrence Barreto. Lawrence Barreto put the article together. But in that article, you can read it on F1.com. It's a very good article. It's very well written by Lawrence. So good job, Lawrence. Uh, and Oscar performed exceptionally well. He was able to trash Alpine and Otmar uh, and really lift himself up and lift Daniel up in that same interview. He said that he was absolutely gutted, basically, to put it in Australian terms, gutted that he is replacing Daniel. He has no choice on who he replaces, but he's been watching Daniel you know, since he was 10 as a fan before he got really in- involved in the, in the racing side of things. He loves Daniel. He thinks he's professional. He thinks he's a great, you know, everything as we do as well. And I think yep. that was great to see, Campy, because that's the first time <clears throat> we'd really heard Oscar's side of it. Um, yep. But what I found was really interesting is the fact that Alpine knew about McLaren before Daniel Ricciardo knew about the McLaren thing. And this was signed on a particular day that was very surprising, Campy, to DR and to a lot of us. Yeah, I think... Uh, with that in mind, now I, I, I don't think McLaren's given Danny Rick enough. Well, I would say now probably is enough time in the car to get something sorted. But I don't like if they made that decision after on the fourth of July after ten rounds. They had start, they started having this conversation way back in round five, and mm-hmm. Danny Rick's start to the year wasn't as bad pace-wise as everyone makes it out to be. Lando got those couple of really good podiums early on and Danny Rick had mechanicals in those races. So it just it goes to me that McLaren had a mentality from day one this year about what they were going to do with Danny Rick and I don't like it. The fact that they signed someone on the 4th of July and then the bullshit that we put up with in media for the next two, three months. I mean, you think about Jessica Yates going out from that Aussie reporter going out to McLaren interviewing Zach Brown and Zach Brown coming out and saying, yeah, we think Daniel will win us more races, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, what a crop, mate. That guy is firmly solidified and concreted himself in my bin, and he's never getting out. <laughs> it's Campy's bin. I don't care if he makes Oscar Piastri a world championship. For me, he's just another Ron Dennis, talks out of his ass, 
and lies to your face. I don't. I understand why he has to do it and the reasoning behind it. It's not what fans want. I remember I've got a long memory and like, I ain't forgetting that time any soon. I was Zach's biggest fan. I we all he, were. Uh, from where he bought that organisation, but you know what? That organisation had one year where it was probably the third or maybe the fourth best car on the grid at times. But they're going to be the new worms. They're going to consistently drop down the grid and that's just not me being spiteful. <clears throat> and doubling down on how poor of an organisation. I don't think Zach Brown's that good anymore. Or just the way that that car's performing on track as the mm. season progresses, the upgrades that they're bringing, they're not that good. And they are not – they're going to continue – they're going to continue to slide back because of the decisions that they've made in the design of the car this year. They're going to play catch-up every single year. So, It's interesting for me that the year that they showed promise – is the year Daniel Ricciardo decided to go to them. You know, he said yeah. no to McLaren before and joined Renault yeah. instead. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, it's I, I hate this sliding doors term. I hate it. Yeah. I've heard it so many times recently, but it is, unfortunately, a sliding doors moment of what could have been if he had decided to stay with Renault, now Alpine. But it's interesting for me that the way that Otmar and the French have dealt with this is incredibly poor. So... I think the only French. The only what do you people, expect? The only power knew knew that this would be the thing. Let me please let me set Ugh. up this. It's not even a baseball. Let me set up this table for you, yeah. um, for you to tee off from. But the the way that this has all come about is o- there is only one organization's fault, and it's Alpine. It's not McLaren yep. because McLaren signed uh, Oscar Piastri on a reserve contract for 2023. So there was no replacement yep. of Daniel Ricciardo early pushing out a contract. There was. Absolutely, an intent to move Daniel Ricciardo on in 2024. Okay, all right, fair enough. But at least it would have been seen out of the contract. God, yep, look, you know, this we're just keeping our options open. Blah blah blah, all of the, the normal PR spin. But yeah. Fernando Alonso, <laughs> dude's running around with matches every every single year in Formula One. He has got matches and you know some kind of ignition, whether it's fuel or something else. But if there's smoke, there's Fernando Alonso and. He has caused this in a great way because Alpine refused to make a deal uh, with Oscar Piastri to secure his future. If they had said to yep. him in April or March this year, all right, mate, here's what's going to happen. We're going to push Alonso out and we're going to keep yep. you uh, in the fold and give you full-time drive for next year. There would be absolutely none of this. There would be none of this conversation. So yep. Alpine have dropped the ball completely. Now, here's my point to you, Cammy. my question to you. Daniel Ricciardo's best option right now is Alpine. Now, Alpine have also caused, effectively, his departure from McLaren through incompetence. Is there <laughs> is there any point him going back or do we have to just accept the fact that he's potentially going to do a Mika Hakkinen and go on sabbatical next year and maybe never return? Maybe. Look, I, I, I really don't want to have this conversation about where he goes and the hypotheticals of it. Until he makes a call on his career, I want him in the sport. Alpine's probably the most attractive seat at the moment. If Gasly goes to Alpine, then there's a spot open at Red Bull, which I I mean Red Bull have got form. They took I mean they took Brendan Hartley, you know, who get his second chance in F one really. Um, so they've got some form. They know the value of Daniel and what he'll bring. Um, interesting that. Perez has a contract. Uh, Perez has a has 
has a point in his contract that he can't be dropped for Pierre Gasly. Interesting. So Pierre Gasly can't go up and replace him, right, until the end of next year, which means if Red Bull are in a hard place at the moment where they can't make a change even if they want to, if Gasly mm. goes to Alpine and opens the door for Danny Rick to come in, and possibly step up to the top team again, if that's the way they want to go. I'm not sure it will. There's heaps of hypotheticals, but I really don't want to talk about it until Danny Rick's made up his mind. Alpine's the most logical place for him to go. Ocon's trying to play games in the media, saying, I want to drive next to Mick Schumacher, blah, blah, blah. He's my friend. Ocon don't have any friends on the grid because he's a bit of a tit. (laughs) The only one... (laughs) The only bloke to get along with him genuinely is Danny Rick because he's just that kind of guy, gets along with everyone, he's pretty respectful of everyone. Um, you know, I think for I think for Alpine as an organisation, I mean, Otmar, there just doesn't seem to be... I like Otmar, and he's done some incredible things when he was the head of Force India and um, <coughs> moving into the, whatever it was called, after Force India, Racing Point. Racing Point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cracking, cracking dude, but there just seems to be something just a bit off with the way that organisation's heading at the moment. In their mind, they must have thought clearly that, you know, Oscar had some loyalty to them, but I don't think they showed Oscar any loyalty and that stupidity at a level like this is it's unthinkable. You, you just can't be that dumb to not have those things sorted out. Anyway, that is the world in which we live. I hear... Uh, <laughs> I'm getting sick of this politics talk in F1 and the silly season and where people are going to go and who's going to come up. Who's going to come up? There's no one showing me any no. potential about coming up, you know. So, Well, who, whoever the Formula 2 champion is, we are going to be yet again in a position next year that no one's actually talking about him for a full-time seat. But just because you win F2 doesn't guarantee you a drive in F1. Why? No, but I might. My point is, we Oscar, it happened to Oscar Piastri because again we had an we had this influx of people from Formula Two in uh, in Lando Norris, George Russell, and Alex Albon, which again we've had this conversation many times. Anyway, it's it's interesting to me because we should always be looking, I think, for one young talent that's coming up through the ranks, and the winner of F two can't race in F two anymore, so genuinely yeah. should be at least taken into a reserve driver role. Um, in the following year. So, anyway, it's just interesting because we're talking about all these open seats and maybe Logan Sargent's the only one from Formula 2 that's getting a shout um, for a Williams seat. And that's it. How long has he been there, though? I know. Uh, Like, pull it together for a whole season. Show something that – show some out-and-out pace week in, week out for 10 races in a row. Like, don't come out and have this amazing drive or a drive where you get a win, you know, one in 20 races and people go, oh, Logan Sargent, he's a real contender. No, he's not. <laughs> it's just it's as simple as that. They give out F1 drives and F1 tests like they're, you know, like awards at a kindergarten now for participating. <laughs> it's just, mate, back in the day you had to work your ass off for it. How many, how many of these guys do you reckon are, are following people like Jackie Stewart around to like Mark Webber did? Followed Jackie Stewart around to about three different petrol stations and just nagged him and nagged him. He said, come on, Jackie, you've got to give me a drive, mate. Get me in, just even a test. Just want five laps and I'll show you I'm good enough. How many of these guys you reckon are doing that for, doing that for people now? 
just just not happening. It's going through managers and all that and trying to create media hot. Just doesn't work. I just want to see some good, solid, hard work from some of these young kids. I know it's hard to see that in this day and age in the technology we got, but we're going to get one of those kids that just comes from absolutely nothing again and tear the place apart because you know because they want the drives that much there. They got that Kobe or MJ mentality. So the the, the true goats, Tommy T, <laughs> just for you. So anyway, yeah. moving on. Yep. What are we looking forward to tonight, Jim? Well, it's going to be an interesting one. Let's go through the qualifying position, shall we, and, and talk a little bit about who was dominant and who surprised us. Max Verstappen, no surprises, absolutely dominant, nope. uh, hugely, hugely impressive. Um, I think that Red Bull is is just becoming faster and faster and faster, and the team as a whole are more dominant. You know, they're not making mistakes. Doing Hannah, doing the strategies, doing an incredible job. The mechanics are epically searching for fastest pit stop every time. You can tell the winning mentality of that team is so great right now that there is yep. just literally nothing that is able to stop them. <clears throat> no Ferrari, no Mercedes, nothing. Max yep. Verstappen is so at one with that car. It's He seems more relaxed to me at the moment, Campy, than he has ever done, and he's driving oh. the best he's ever done. Yeah, he's got no pressure on him from a teammate. He might have some pressure on him in some early laps, but, geez, what a feeling to get into a car. <laughs> Anything you do, just imagine getting up and just just knowing you're going to win because you've got the best of everything behind you, you, you know, and you in that car is 10 times faster than anyone else in that car can perform because he's designed it and catered it to himself. Yep, he's having his walking on water moment at the moment and uh, he just looks indestructible. How long can he... How long can it be there for? He and he's mm. the kind of guy. He's not like Lewis, who will give himself a shit result every now and then to you know fire up his focus again and bring that passion back. He is as I'm not saying Lewis is ditching races either, but he will. <laughs> he will. Lewis will give himself challenges that he doesn't need to create sometimes because he needs that. He needs something to fight for. Max is as cold as stone when it comes to that stuff. He will ride this out as long as he possibly can, and uh, it's a scary thought because he could go on, on. He could genuine with that car. He could go on to you know every championship in the twenty twenty six, you know twenty twenty five. So what's that? Three champ, four championships on the trot, and then we've had the last sixteen championships decided by two manufacturers. You know. Four eight four. It's that's just that's incredible. So, yeah, and no insane. one else has had a look in, and it's going to be a telling stat for the drivers in our sport. You know, throughout that period, if you drove in that period, and maybe people like Danny Rick, regardless of where he goes and what he does, it's just that's the era we're in. It's unfortunate, but that's where we're at. We'll get back to Campy's Corner in just a moment. But I want to tell you about this episode sponsor, NordVPN. Yep, NordVPN still sponsoring us, which is fantastic. And at the moment, you can get a pretty epic deal using the code LakesideDrive at NordVPN.com for two years plus four months free. So a heavily discounted two-year rate and four months free. NordVPN is great. As I've said all of this week, this is actually a product that I use. I travel often. 
and it's great to know the peace of mind when I'm travelling around using other people's Wi-Fis or if I'm sitting in an airport lounge or if I'm sitting at a cafe in London to know that I am absolutely protected. And what else it does is it means that I can watch content that is otherwise region-locked. So if you like camping and you want to watch Real Housewives of Atlanta but you can't get the latest episode here in Australia, you can absolutely do so using NordVPN. Move it across to a US-based IP address and watch all of your favourite shows. There's plenty to like about NordVPN, including dark web monitoring and a whole lot more. To find out more, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive. And with that code, you can get two years at heavily discounted rate plus four months free. nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive. Now, let's get back into the corner. I was really impressed with Schumacher last night. And, yeah, uh, okay, so Mick Schumacher qualified in eighth position, um, just behind Norris, yep. Russell, Perez, Hamilton, and the two Ferraris who are running in second, third. But, yeah, Mick, compared to his teammate, uh, Magnussen 18th. So a yeah. huge 10 places between between them both. Uh, he was a happy boy on the radio too, wasn't he? Oh, he just, he just he knew he'd put a lap together. <clears throat> uh, these guys know when they're driving on the limit and – how quick they can be when it feels like rails. And when they put one of those laps together, they're like, oh, geez, that's as good as it gets. doesn't get much better than that. That's what he sounded like. Reminds me of Danny Rick in some of the uh, Monaco laps that he'd done, you know, mm-hmm. 2016, 17, 18. So, yeah, stoked for Mick. He's just got to go on. Hopefully that car, hopefully this track is good enough and fast enough for him that he, uh, he's he got enough pace and enough um, talk to get, get up to speed and, you know, drive out of corners. Uh, I think there's definitely some faster cars around him, but uh, mm. this might be the track that enables him to, you know, unpassable, just get in the train behind him and he just flows and gets some points because that's what he needs. He needs a he needs a race where he dominates his teammate and people, you know, some big haul of points where people are like, oh, yes, Mick Schumacher has arrived and this is what he's capable of. He hasn't had that top five performance up until now. You know what I mean? This year he's starting to consistently there or thereabouts every, you know, two or three races in a poor car, be in those positions, but he hasn't gone on with it. I mean, all you need for tonight is, you know, a Perez and a Hamilton and one of the Ferraris to – you know, three cars in front of him to have an engine trouble, which we've seen at times this year. And, you know, he steps up into that top four position and maybe snags. I don't think he'll get a, get a uh, podium, but snags that top five where everyone's like, oh, that's the drive that Mick Schumacher's turned around. Might solidify his spot in the, uh, on the grid next year and moving forward. But it, uh, he is on the nose at Haas, clearly. I just, mm. I think, I just think the way that that team – Gunther's a pretty honest guy, and the fact they haven't re-signed him yet would suggest to me that they're trying to go another way. So, um, but as we had this conversation, he's got value in the sport, I believe, moving forward. So, yeah, I think this may be his chance to move up the grid and solidify his position. Yeah, I mean, it's an it's an interesting one for him. As I've said a few times, the Ferrari junior pool, there is nowhere else for him to go. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Alfa Romeo. Uh, you know, that Sauber Alfa Romeo deal, uh, deal ends soon. Um, so the Sauber, the Sauber relationship will just be a Sauber drive. And, you know, especially if Audi come in 2026, I think we've spoken a little bit about that. You know, the Audi is looking at Sauber as the team to pick up. 
so that'll make them a works team, which would be great for the sport to have some more works teams. Absolutely. But there's no sort of other than progression for Mick to get through. It's not like you can go Haas to Sauber to Ferrari. Uh, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. I mean, Charles would be the next one to move, I think, Campy. If, if anyone was to go, that's very much the Ferrari way is whoever's been there the longest tends to go first and the second, you know, and then then Carlos will go in anyway. anyway. Um, but that's going to yep. take some time. And, and Mick hasn't necessarily put in all of the performances he needs to, to stay around. Um, I imagine it's pretty difficult also to <clears throat> to get some sponsorship going for, for that team still in, in, in Haas. So I, I wonder if it's just a too difficult a situation for him to stay in that spot. Now, Marcus Ericsson a couple of months ago put out a tweet saying, here's who's going to be driving, <clears throat> pardon me, for who. And in that tweet, he's got everyone, at this point he's got pretty much everyone right, which is very frustrating because you look at it and you go, that's not going to work. <laughs> oh, God, it's working. Um, but he said Mick Schumacher would go to Alpha Tauri alongside uh, Sonoda, which I think is an interesting thought because, Red Bull, as we've spoken a little bit, a little bit about, you know, the junior program. Liam Lawson really is the only one in that uh, fold right now, Campy, that has any real ability to step up uh, into Formula One. Um, and I just don't think, which is such a shame because I really like Liam, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So unless you know, like but he's this- only he's only there because that Teo Porcher dude stuffed up, didn't he? No, no, Teo Porcher's right? been no Teo Porcher's been Sauber. For the Sauber Junior driver sorry. for a long time, Yuri Vips. Sorry, Yuri Vips. That's who I'm thinking of. Yep, got you. Yeah, uh, and you go. I don't. I mean, Liam Lawson's been a Red Bull Junior for pretty much his whole career. So donkeys uses. It's but it's getting to a point now. It's like, well, if he doesn't step up, then yeah, he's going to have to look elsewhere for for work. But anyway, it maybe Mick Schumacher goes across to AlphaTauri and into the Red Bull Junior pool. My point is, there's there doesn't seem to be much of a future for him in that Ferrari talent pool. Obviously, his dad's got a connection to Mercedes as well, so there's you know some potential there too. Maybe he moves across to that Williams seat. Who knows? Anyway, be very interesting. But Mick Schumacher, certainly, uh, I don't think, as I said this to to you guys uh, on uh, on Monday, I don't think he's done anything to lose his seat, but he's also not done much to keep his seat either. So, be interesting to see what he does uh, going forward. Do you think forward. there's a feeling? Do you think there's a feeling in the sport that there's a lot of people higher up in management? designers and stuff that felt the need that they needed to get Mick into the sport for his, you know, as a favour to his dad or because of what their dad did for their careers, et cetera, et cetera. But now we're at the point where it's like, well, he's got two years and we don't owe him anything anymore. We don't need to mm. lay that red carpet out that I thought a team like Mercedes may, you know. Yeah. Mercedes may do that, you know. So – do you think we're at that point now where people are like, all right, well, no, we've got him there, He's, the rest is on him and we're not there? Or Yeah, I mean, really the only, people who were, a- the only people who were involved still from when Michael was around were Mattia Bonotto. <laughs> so he's sort of done that side. And um, some of the, the OG Mercedes crew. So yeah, the Mercedes thing hasn't – well, Ross Braun's not involved in teams anymore. He's involved in the sport. He can't really go around to people and say, hi, Mick Schumacher. I don't think. I don't think he's got that level of – Wields. No, he wields a bit of influence, mate. He's not Flavio, who's actually responsible (laughs) for the whole thing with Oscar as well. Let's not forget that he's still managing Mark Webber. No one can escape Flavio. Uh, But, yeah, maybe. I I think there's – I think we probably said – 
you know, in his F2 winning year that, nah, well, you know, he's just going to be brought up because of his name. But then he won the championship. So he won the F2 championship uh, on his own merit. And, you he know, he was, he was offered the opportunity to, to go into Haas. And I think that was the right decision. Um, oh, who knows, man? I mean, as you say, the politics of this go runs deep um, and fast yeah. and furious. So I, I would like to think that if there was that sort of attitude, then maybe... <laughs> Maybe he could at least go somewhere else first to to show himself. Um, <clears throat> and also for Haas, this is the first was well, the first real track after Hungary, which is where they brought all their upgrades for the year. They're going to actually get a good look at it because Belgium obviously quite yeah. different to this um, in comparison. I mean, to Hungary, the sort of pace that they should be at. But I mean, Monza next weekend, oh, they're probably going to be eaten alive. Let's that's pretty much the thing. <laughs> now, I was actually quite impressed with Yuki Tsunoda. Campy. He finished, um, he, he qualified rather just behind Mick Schumacher in ninth. Yeah, um, nice. Our qualifying yep. Gasly, both Alpines, Stroll, you know, Ricardo, Vettel, all of those guys too. Um, he was on it. And I would also say, I mean, he's also driving for his Formula One career at the moment. Uh, he's not been confirmed for next year. Uh, obviously, lots of conversations around who fills that other seat at AlphaTauri. Uh, but do you think that kind of pressure is helping him go along or do you think there's just been this year this AlphaTauri design isn't the same kind of philosophy as what we've seen in the Red Bull and they've just oh, simply struggled on pace? I think the guy stepped up this year. I think he's he's consistently out-qualifying Pierre Gasly. Not consistently out-racing him. Pierre's still a... a very competent driver in F1 who gets the job done more often than not. But Great driver. You, Yuki, I wouldn't go that far. But <laughs> Yuki is Yuki's killing it. If you look at the gap between him and Yuki last year, Pierre Gasly's gone nowhere. And Helmut Marco backed me up when he says this. Not that I want to be in any way inclined compared Helmut to Helmut Campy. Marco. But... Helmet said the same thing. He goes, Yuki's performed better this year than he did this year. Gasly hasn't moved up the tree. And Yuki's performances when he's there, he's starting to get that consistency where he's consistently outperforming his teammate on race day and qualifying. They don't happen generally in one in the same weekend, but they are happening all the time. If you look at five weekends out of six, Yuki's going to beat him in either the race or qualifying. And that's... That's telling for me. If you leave guys in these cars and give them experience, more experience, the better and better they get. Is Pierre blowing the world away? No. Does he need to get out of Red Bull as an organisation to solidify his spot on the grid? Yes, but does he get shown up by someone like Ocon? Probably. That's my answer. I just don't think he's that great. But I think he's had good machine. I think he's had good enough machinery underneath him over one lap and race pace at times to perform really well. Now let's finish up talking about uh, qualifying with Daniel Ricciardo finishing in 17th. As we said, you know, there there was an issue ahead of him on track. Realistically, this car is not so great. So I I can foresee a bit of disappointment again. (laughs) I can foresee sad jame for Monday recording. He was seven tenths of first place. With that time, and he lost time because of that guy going off track, you know, and if he did lose the three or four tenths that, he, that, that we've been talking about, it would have been consistently, solidly in the top yeah. ten where Norris is and right on him. So, you know, 
If it's an excuse, Danny Rick only he knows if it's an excuse. I don't think he was. He was actually pretty jovial in his post qualifying interview. Um, it's unfortunate for him at the moment, but hey, we're at that track where, mate, if seven tenths between first and seventeenth, that's what we wanted to see. Exactly. This year, wasn't it? We exactly wanted all right. twenty cars within a second, a second and a half. So we can't be complaining. We're getting everything we're asking for as fans. Last year, we said, "Oh, we wanted to go to the championship, go down the last lap." We got that, and then we were devastated when it happened. You know, we're getting everything we asked for. We're getting better racing. We got. Better cars on track that can follow this year consistently for, you know, 10 laps behind each other before they got to back out. You know, I mean, the cars should be getting smaller, not bigger. But other than that, I mean, mate, this category is shaping up to be really good with these ground effect cars. And as a first step for F1, geez, they've made some big steps in the right direction as an entertainment sport. We just, I think we just need a bit more of the characters to play out. You know, I'm not sure how you get those... Not sure how you do that, but yeah, we just need some big storylines. I don't want to manipulate it like you know other sports do around the world. It needs to be natural and progressive. But I mean, we need that battle between Lewis and Max Verstappen last year. The God and this young guy coming to dethrone him. Yeah, you know, I mean that was a that was a hectic battle for those last ten races. And uh, you know, I think F one needs another one of those stories. Just because I think we've got the cars that are good enough on track to do it, but Max is looking like he's in his own field at the moment. So, yeah, and I think he will be for for some time. As you said earlier, we, we are entering the when can we say that we're bored of Max Verstappen winning era, which uh, happened yep. very quickly. Which happens very quickly in the sport uh, where the tall poppy syndrome, which is very Australian. We know we can't have that. We can't have him winning. Still, let's cycle it through to someone else. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of which, just a very random side note. You see, Michael Massey is now the uh, has replaced Crompo, <laughs> Neil Crompton yeah. uh, as chair of the Supercars Super Commission. Very good, very very good. I'm a big fan of Michael Massey. Uh, even I don't care what you think of, of that call. He made the call. He was in charge. He made the call. Whatever. Um, but I I'll think have to he's chat a, to him about that call. Michael he's Massey. a just reach out to the gym. We'll get uh, yeah, Michael, great, as you're listening to this podcast, chat. of course, give me a call. <laughs> uh, my number is probably down below. Um, it's not. Uh, but I, I think that's a, it's a good thing for Australian motorsport. I mean, he, he is a he's operated at the, on the world stage and uh, it's good for supercars that no one watches anymore anyway. So maybe he can uh, bring a bit of drama to, to V8 supercars and people to watch that. <laughs> Except for Tilly Willie. He's the only person that I know that watches supercars regularly. Not even Rick Kelly watches supercars anymore and he used to be in it. Um <laughs> Mate, what should, what should we watch for in the race? What's what's the big thing? What's the big thing? I'm looking for Fernando Alonso to come through the field. Uh, I think that car's pretty slippery. Uh, Max will dominate, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking for Mercedes to put up some fight. I think George Russell is not extracting the same pace that Hamilton is out of that car, but George had a chance at the end of the race, you know, with five or six laps to go. He was hunting cars down there, made that mistake, and I said I think he left the podium on the table. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what Hamilton can do, especially from where is he, fourth or fifth? Fourth, so he's got two Ferraris ahead of him. If he can pass the Clure, maybe get signs, we may see some big pace deficit late on in a race where that Mercedes comes to life. So that would be exciting. I think Hamilton will have it between his teeth. Uh, after last weekend. So that's where I'm at. It's all going to be top three, top four this weekend. And obviously Schumacher 
you know, I think I think if things go his way, he can get a P five this weekend, top five, and wow, uh, yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, well, the, that opening lap is going to be crucial, isn't it? Because no yep. DRS, you know, those first couple laps, but that's really where your jockey position. Lewis does start very well, um, although he hasn't always started well. So look, it's jeopardy. It's just jeopardy. That's what it yep. is. There you go, TT. Jeopardy. There's the word. Uh, well, I think it's going to be an interesting race, mate. I, I Max is going to dominate. It's it's just about how much domination is going to happen. Uh, fingers crossed, yep. nothing happens to the car and Rebel Powertrain remains consistent. Um, Sergio Perez will be an interesting one to watch coming up from behind those two Mercedes and two Ferraris. It's sort of a massive Red Bull sandwich with those cars in the middle. Um, I keep my my eye on George Russell though. I think in terms of how he's driving that Merc at the moment as well. Uh, that he, if they can get the strategy right, that he probably might be on for a podium, even ahead of Lewis for this weekend. Um, And I don't say that lightly. I just think. He ain't passing Lewis on track. It ain't happening. Well, you never know with the undercut. It's only happening on on lap one. Well, and look, who knows? Genuine race pace. If if he passes him, then I look forward to uh, (laughs) putting it to you. (laughs) Tomorrow afternoon. Love that. Uh, I love we, that we've just got so many poms on the on the grid and that none of them are winning. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> classic. Absolutely classic. Yeah. Well, Campy, that's your corner. That's the bin. We know who's firmly yeah. placed in, in the bottom of the bin. Uh, concrete to the yeah. bottom, Zach Brown, many other people. We'll probably throw Alpine Solidified. in there We'll throw a- anyone who has anything to do with that whole situation in there. Flavio, get in there as well. Why not? You might as well join the party. Uh, but I as Flav. I said earlier, let's keep Oscar Piastri's name out of the negative side. Let's be excited as Australians to have this because if Danny leaves next year, we have the cur- the Australian curse of only one put Australian res- on the grid at the time. Put some respect on DR's name as well. well yes, show some respect. For, that, for what that guy's achieved and his accomplishments. I mean, he was touted as a world champion at one stage in the sport. And still is for us. You know, yeah. we're, not, we're not letting that go. So. Yeah, show some respect, anyway. all of you, all of you. Well, that's it for this episode. Campy, thank you for allowing me into your corner. Where can people go for uh, to find out more about our stuff? Uh, Discord would be the best place to go. Uh, like so I'll drive official. Uh, is that what it is? Sure. Yeah, Instagram. you can find the link in the description below. Or James, go to our website. James just, James just wants that uh, that verified tick against his name. So. Uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, on Instagram. Keep pushing him that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on on Lakeside Drive's Instagram. Yeah. that's my official all, pick. All the socials, fantasy. Go and check that out. We've got some cracking names. We'll read those out tomorrow afternoon. But yeah, we'll see you then. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, to such a fine Sunday morning, the Sunday morning of the Dutch Grand Prix, and, uh, yeah, shit, I'll go again on that. <laughs> Outstanding. Oh, Outstanding. God, it's actually quite tough, Jim. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Sports Social Podcast Network.